This is episode 18 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. I am your host, Pete Noyd, and with me once again, returning to the show, is my friend Eric Radicek. He was on a couple episodes in the preseason, helped me preview a couple of divisions this year, and it's great to have him back. Eric, how's it going, bud? Giddy up indeed, my friend. Hop on the back of that Denver Broncos and, and get moving, buddy, because this is uh, week 10 and this is when the season is rolling into high gear and I'm happy to be back talking fantasy and, and football in general with you. That's it. We got a lot to get to in terms of week nine. Just so much going on. Major storylines in the NFL. Of course, we'll be previewing uh, week 10. And as you mentioned just there, talking a little fantasy as well. It's been a little while now since uh, you've been on the show. Have you missed it? I love coming on your show, Pete. It gets me fired up, like just thinking about football in a different way. Because I know when I come on, you're going to bring that knowledge about the game. You know, and where my experience tends to be more on the fantasy side, I really enjoy kind of bantering a little bit about the teams and some of the things going on, the storylines across the league. So I'm happy to be back. I love this. Uh, you know, you can call me anytime. Yeah. And actually, I know we talked about this before, but how long have we been friends now? Jeez, I want to say it's um, it's got to be going on 10 years or so, because I know we it's got to be at least that long that we've at least known each other, because we've been playing in that league. And, uh, you know, we met through Gino and it's Joe's league, um, you know, a league we've been in for 10 years, the three of us together. And I know right. you guys were in it a lot longer before that. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where we that's where we met. And, you know, through that, you know, we became friends. And yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, but you were just getting into football back then. Well, okay, so just getting into fantasy football. So just getting I've into fantasy. A, yeah. yeah, just into fantasy. I've always been a football fan. I played a little football, you know, just peewee stuff back as a kid and a little bit of high school. And Did you have so a I, nickname, by the way? <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I had a nickname, but I have a nickname in hockey. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, a, a weird Polish last name, and so people call me Rat-Tat-Tat because that's, you know, when I score a goal, that's Rat-Tat-Tat, check. Nice. That's uh, that's that's the nickname for some reason I tend to get. But uh, yeah, no, not really. But in football, I played the cornerback position. That was my uh, sweet spot. And I loved it when I got to blitz the quarterback. There was nothing better than uh, getting in there on the QB and, and disrupting a play or causing a, a turnover. That's what you live for as a defensive player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I played a little football myself, and uh, it wasn't a, the greatest experience for me, if I'm being honest, but we'll save that story for another day. Let's get into the action here, and uh, week nine, if it was defined by one thing, I would say just surprises. You know, there, there were some real shock results this week, and wanted to go in and, and uh, look at some of the games, look at some of the results, and have a little banter here, you know, about... Who did what? Was it surprising, yes or no? And uh, we'll start. You mentioned the, the Denver Broncos briefly there. They go into Dallas, and, I mean, they they just beat up on the Cowboys. The final score was 30-16. to 16. The Cowboys got all 16 of their points late in the fourth quarter. So Denver really just destroyed Dallas. They were never in the game. Embarrassing home loss for them. Did this come as a surprise to you? Oh, it was shocking. I mean, just like you said, they had zero points till late in the game. They were essentially, 
garbage time points, which we call in fantasy when the points don't matter anymore. The game's already in the bag. When the defense is, is playing that uh, three high deep, uh, you know, safety kind of blanket coverage, just trying to prevent the play over the top. So those plays didn't even matter. Uh, it was shocking. I thought that Dak was going to come back and get right back to business. I mean, I know he was dealing with the calf injury before the bye. You would have thought with the bye and then sitting out an additional game with the way the team was talking about it being kind of a minor injury. Didn't expect the injury to be an issue. It didn't appear to be, but something was off. Maybe it was just the lack of reps, the lack of practice. Add to that, CD was coming into the week banged up. And, you know, maybe we should have saw a little bit of a letdown coming, but certainly not like this. I mean, you can't get drubbed by the Broncos 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter uh, like that. That's just embarrassing. I don't think it's a trend. I'm not worried. The Cowboys are still one of the best teams in the NFL, and I think they're going to get right back to work here next week. Yeah, I was shocked at this result, and part of that is because I didn't really see the Broncos doing much this year at all. And, of course, last week the Cowboys took care of the Vikings without Dak Prescott, put up a lot of points, so maybe they were a little too high on themselves. Maybe they were looking past the Broncos. I know the Broncos felt disrespected that the Cowboys were going for it on fourth down Uh, so early in the game and as often as they did and they used that as fuel for their fire but I gotta say you know Teddy Bridgewater's playing some good football Uh, every year he seems to be that feel-good story you know because he had that big injury with the Vikings earlier in his career and many people thought that that was it for him and uh, he's since come back he's a journeyman quarterback for sure but he beat out Drew Locke in training camp and he's been playing pretty well for them Oh, he has. And you got to you got to give it to him. And, you know, remember in the early season, I should say preseason, when we got together and we did the divisional preview of uh, AFC West, we talked about the Broncos and we talked about what uh, the QB situation was going to look like, who was going to win it. It wasn't known. Was it going to be Locke? Was it going to be Bridgewater? And, you know, we kind of talked about, well, Bridgewater doesn't make mistakes. Bridgewater is that reliable guy you can throw in there. He usually isn't going to turn the ball over for you. He's going to take good care of it. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the flashiness of some of these other QBs out there, but yeah, he, he's a solid QB and, and uh, he made a couple of great throws, especially to uh, Tim Patrick this week, who's been a revelation this year with uh, Jerry Judy being banged up and out of the lineup. Yeah. And uh, just a quick side note here, but how bad does this look on the Carolina Panthers who look like they've downgraded at quarterback after letting Teddy Bridgewater go at the end of the year? bringing in Sam Darnold, who now, uh, well, now he's injured, but leading up to this injury was playing very poorly after a a few good games to start the season there. So not looking good for them either. The next one, though, I think we'll all agree is a major shocker. It's the shocker of the week. It's probably the shock of the season because the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills 9-6. to What do you make of that? Oh man, woof, wow, holy cow, WTF. How does this happen? How does a team that is as good as Buffalo get beat up by the Jacksonville Jaguars and to boot by a guy named also named Josh Allen? I mean, that was that was one of the funnier uh, points of the game was the, the Allen on Allen abuse that was going on. And um, you, you got to hand it to Jacksonville, two wins now. But this just can't happen if you're Buffalo, right? No, it it can't. And this is completely out of nowhere because the narrative of the Jacksonville Jaguars season thus far has been all negative. 
There's been no positive whatsoever. Urban Meyer has been in hot water from the beginning, causing on and off field distractions. The team has lost almost every game. You know, they lost to the Houston Texans to start the season. Their wide receivers have not made the jump. You know, it's just bad stories everywhere. So a result like this, it's not just that the Jaguars are a bad team, but with everything going on around that team, it's just unbelievable to me that they could pull a result like this out against a team like the Bills, who everyone was just starting to look at and say, you know what, these Bills might actually be the best team in the AFC East. They go and lay an egg against the Jaguars. And and yeah, there's there's simply no excuse for this loss if you're the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and let me ask you, as a guy who obviously follows the division closely, do you still think Buffalo is the top team in that division? I do, and I think I think they'll use this as fuel ultimately. Again, I think they were looking past the Jaguars. It's easy to do, and I think they're going to be competitors in the AFC. They could still make the Super Bowl, but they'll probably want to use this as a get-right moment for them. Like, okay, guys, no more of that this whole season. We've got to be on it. We can't take uh, anyone lightly, but obviously that, that loss might come back to hurt them, and especially in terms of home field advantage and a first-round buy. 100%. All right, let's uh, keep it moving here. Arizona Cardinals going to your division, big Seahawks fan. Interdivision matchup, the Cardinals, sans Kyler Murray, beat up on the San Francisco 49ers 31-17. to They also lost Chase Edmonds early on in this game. Are you surprised at the win? Are you surprised at the margin of victory in this game? I'm not surprised by the win. The margin of victory is a little bit higher, obviously, than you would have expected, especially uh, given, uh, I believe that game was in San Francisco, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so at home, beaten in your own barn. And, and that's actually a theme that's been building over the last couple of years with the 49ers is they just can't win at home. I think last time I checked, they're... 0-4 this year uh, so far at home. And I think that streak carries into the previous year, although I don't know how many year, uh, games in a row they'd lost, but they just can't seem to win the uh, games in their own barn, which is a problem. And as far as the, the Cardinals side of things, though, I mean, I think at this point, you just have to accept the Cards are just that team this year. And they should be favored in almost any matchup moving forward. They're that good. On the other side of the ball, it's becoming more and more clear that the 49ers are just not going to get there in 2021. The defense, it's not elite like we thought it would be. The QB position is weak. The run game hasn't been as good as we've come to expect from Kyle Shanahan. And just overall, the team's just not performing. So I have serious concerns about San Francisco this season I'm going to say it right now, they're not a playoff team in 2021, and maybe that's not even a shocking thing to say anymore. What do you think? Yeah, maybe not at this point. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, and uh, I'm actually rooting hard for them to keep on losing because the Dolphins have their first-round pick this year. Conversely, we traded our own first-round pick to the Eagles, which is looking great for the Eagles right now. They've got a top-three pick thanks to that trade. But uh, if, the, if the Niners can keep losing, it'll, it'll help uh, dull that pain a little bit. But yeah, I don't see San Francisco. They might finish somewhere about, around 500 at the, by the end of the season, but I don't think it's going to be good enough to get them into the playoffs. All right, let's uh, move to their final game in this surprise yes or no. Uh, Sunday night football, Tennessee Titans go into L.A., beat the Rams 28-16. to Surprise? It's a tough one, right? Because on one hand, you're talking about the freaking Rams and the Rams are 
of course, this great team. You got Cooper Cup. You got the the new shiny new QB in there with Stafford, and you expect them to to win most of the time, and they're a dominant team. But you know what? These Titans, you can't really undercount them because they just win games that you don't expect them to win. They seem to be one of these teams that's just built to grind it out. And usually in you know in years past and, and so far this year, that was on the back of the workhorse Derrick Henry. And so why I was surprised was because with Henry out of the lineup, I figured they'd have a hard time moving the football. And certainly they weren't getting those big chunk plays on the on the ground game like they would with Henry, but they were still efficient. They moved the ball well. The defense played well. They got to get Julio Jones going, though. I mean, this guy, he looks like he's back up to full speed. It looks like the hamstring might have calmed down. They got to start taking shots to this guy. I know that the coaching staff is saying that they're going to do the right thing by them, which is keep pounding the rock, keep running it, don't change your identity. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have Derrick Henry right now. You don't have the horses to get it done on the ground game. You better start making sure you get Julio Jones involved moving forward here. For me, I've got to eat crow two weeks in a row now here because uh, I came on before the Cardinals-Packers game last week and said I couldn't see the Packers being able to go into Arizona and come out with a win there when they're without Devontae Adams. And uh, sure enough, what did they do? They come out with a win there. This week, or last week, I said, I don't see Tennessee getting a win in L.A. against the Rams without Derrick Henry. He's such a big part of that offense. But you're right. They they just grind. I thought the Rams were a little naive, you know, because the, the Titans didn't really change their game plan. You know, they picked up uh, Adrian Peterson in the middle of the week. He ends up coming into the game. What do they do? They go play action, and the defense bites. They bites as if it's Derrick Henry back there. It's true, yeah. And, and to me, that was naive because, you know, hey, AP for his age, very impressive what he's still able to do. But he is no Derrick Henry. That's the bottom line, and that's no disrespect towards Adrian Peterson. He's just not that guy anymore. He was once upon a time, but he's not anymore. And I thought the Rams were pretty naive to fall for that. Uh, I don't think they played a very good game. So, yes, I'm very surprised. The Titans are on a roll. They've won five in a row now themselves. And I agree with you. They're a very gritty team, and they're. I don't. I'll, I'll. I'll say they're not going anywhere. I mean, I don't. I don't see them collapsing, as I thought they might without Henry. I do think they'll. They'll still struggle between now and the end of the regular season. But I think they win this division at this point, and uh, will be in the playoffs for sure. And once they're there, who knows what can happen. I'm right there with you. And and I really believe in Vrabel as well. I mean, I like this guy. I I like his, uh, I like his mentality on the bench. I think he coaches a good game. And um, you know, one of the things I really like about Vrabel is have you noticed when one of the guys, one of his guys gets hurt, did you notice that Vrabel is the first one that runs on the field to go check on his guy? Mm. I just think that's so cool. You don't see that from other coaches. That's true. Uh, You see it from some coaches, but not all. And uh, the players need to know that you care about them. That's one of the differences between the modern coach uh, and the coaches of old. (laughs) You know, they would just maybe stand on the sideline with their arms crossed and, you know, start to plan for the next guy to get in there. But, um, yeah, I think in today's game, players need to know that they're cared for by their coaching staff and organization at large. And and, uh, absolutely, Vrabel's a great coach. 
All right, let's move into our storylines now. And there's any number of uh, stories that we could choose from here. But let's let's delve back into the Monday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears. Steelers came away with a big win there, 29-27. Uh, but the biggest talking point coming out of this game was the renewed uh, controversy over some of these new taunting rules, or at least the emphasis on the taunting rule. It's always been there. Uh, but this year, the NFL is really trying to crack down on taunting. And uh, uh, late on in this game, on a key play uh, made by the Bears, Cassius Marsh uh, made a, a big play, started to go towards the Steelers' sideline, didn't really say anything, turned back, went to run around the referee. There was slight contact, and before you knew it, there was a flag in the air for taunting. Uh, the referee said after the game that the penalty was for taunting, uh, replays seem to indicate that perhaps the referee initiated the contact with the player. Uh, so there's there's many pieces uh, at play here. One is whether it should have been called in the first place. The other is whether the referee initiated contact and then threw the flag because of it, which would be much worse in my opinion. But what are you gathering here? What are your thoughts on what's going on here? I understand the intent. I know what they're trying to do. They want to get rid of, you know, some of the more flagrant taunting, I guess. But um, and, and certainly you, you don't want to have a place for disrespectful behavior out there on the field. There's certain things that players just shouldn't be getting away with. But all that said, this was brutal. I mean, this was a clown show. The call at the end was absolutely brutal. When a game is on the line and the defense makes a huge stop and you know, it should be going back the other way. And then the ref comes in there. He, he throws out the laundry and just decides the outcome of a game for something that was minor. I don't think it was, the intent wasn't there. I don't think it was uh, meant to be, you know, that disrespectful. The guy was just excited. He made a big play. I think we're making nothing. We're making a something out of a nothing here. I mean, it, it should never happened. What do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I fully support the taunting rule. I think it's a good rule. Uh, I don't like it when guys get up and they're yapping all over the place and they're getting in people's faces and stuff like that. And people say, oh, you know, I know I know the criticism here coming back. It's going to be, oh, you know, you're, you're too square. You know, let these guys live a little. But from my view, this is only the beginning. If that's where it started and finished, I wouldn't care so much. But if you let guys jaw at each other and they bark at each other, then you start getting into fights. Then you get guys taking cheap shots. And we don't want that stuff in the game to say nothing about, you know, all the little kids watching, you know, you don't want, you want to set a good example. My favorite football players have always been the guys that put their head down and do their work. The Barry Sanders, the Marvin Harrisons, those guys, they catch a touchdown. They act like they've been there before, you know, uh, they're not running over to the other sideline telling them how great they are uh, and how badly they just beat them. So I'm, I fully support the taunting rule, but that said this whole, this whole episode, uh, is an absolute farce. It has to be said. The call was weak. You know, I think maybe even if he had an idea, Marsh, of jawing at the Steeler bench, he stopped himself. And I think there, there's something to be said for restraint there, that he didn't actually do it. And uh, the referee had a terrible angle at it because his back was to it. He says the player ran towards the Steelers bench. He wasn't running. <laughs> you know, he was kind of bouncing as he got up off the ground. He wasn't running towards the Steelers bench. And I have to say, I've, I've seen the replay many times now. And it's really hard to say one way or the other whether the referee, Tony Corrente, meant to make contact with the player. 
It was so subtle, but he was looking right at him. He saw him passing right behind him. And the way that he turned, like, you know, you're going to make contact. You know. <laughs> I think it was on purpose. And if you go back and you watch the way that he actually threw the flag, he threw that flag with some real attitude. I'm just going to say that. There was some real attitude in the way that he threw the flag itself. So this looks real bad on the NFL and especially this referee. Uh, I know that they handle their disciplinary process in private to protect the referees, and I'm okay with that. But the NFL has to address this 100%. Yeah, you don't want to see refs' egos certain enter into it, right? Like if a ref is, you know, feeling personally offended or if he's inserting himself into a play here, the whole concept, the whole purpose of the referee is you're supposed to be an unbiased uh, official out there who's going to call a good clean game and it's going to be even for both sides. And, you know, Fields, like, look, Fields took a couple of hits at the end of plays there in that game also that weren't getting called, that Roethlisberger was getting the call. So all around, I just say poor effort from the referees, give out all the discipline because we need to expect better. Yeah. Okay, let's move to another big story this week. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who earlier his his dad had released videos on social media showing all the times that Baker Mayfield either didn't throw to his son or threw it towards him but missed him. Uh, this caused a huge scene internally, of course, with the Browns who uh, agreed to release Odell Beckham. He has since cleared waivers. I know you got a lot to say on this one, so I'm just going to hand it over to you. What do you what do you, what do you got to say to all this? <laughs> well, that that was one one for the all times, eh? Like getting your dad to release a, a video out there on, you know, taking down your quarterback. I mean, <laughs> what do you say about that? But the fall from grace for this guy, oh boy, from being thought of as a top one to I don't know three receiver in the NFL at his peak there with the Giants, uh, to now being unclaimed on waivers is the latest news unbelievable um you'd think at seven and a half million dollars somebody would have taken that contract but here we are um and it's all to do with his off the field stuff right like i believe the talent is still there i really do and i think that a contending team with the need at the position absolutely makes sense if i were one of those teams and i had the cap space and i needed a wide receiver think about the green bay packers makes complete sense i would go and get this guy but i would do it with the belief that we need to win now, this season, because Odell Beckham is a malcontent. Everywhere he goes, there's drama, there's turmoil, there's chaos. The thing he needs is he needs to be put into an offense that's going to win, win now, try to win a Super Bowl, uh, and don't worry about the long term. This is a short-term goal, and everybody's got to get around that, and winning fixes a lot of problems. It does. Uh, however, I really need to, and I agree with you that he still has the ability to make an impact. But, you know, a rumor, actually, the latest rumor that I heard was that uh, he might be going to your Seahawks. I'd love to hear what you got to say about that in a minute. But for for me, I want to know what he wants out of his career at this point. Is winning actually the most important thing to him? Or does he just want the ball more than everybody else on the same, on his team? You know, that's what it seems like in Cleveland. And really, this should have been a great match for him because he got to play with his old buddy from college, Jarvis Landry. They orchestrated this move just so that they could play together. And now he's off the team. 
because his head just is not right and he's not playing team ball. Now, I, I, I get that he does not have great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, and that's not on OBJ, at least not solely. Baker has missed him. Baker has not looked his way. So, you know, I don't think it's anything personal, but they just don't have a chemistry. I get that much. But if he thinks he's going to Seattle, for instance, I, I don't know that he necessarily wants to go there because he's not going to be the top dog there. I got news for you. That's DK Metcalf. And I'll tell you something else. He's not even going to be number two there because they've already got a number two, Tyler Lockett, and he's not going anywhere either. So even in Seattle, he's going to be third string at that position. He's going to have to learn that offense, learn all their verbiage. And he, yeah, he'll, he'll come up with a couple plays. He'll score a couple touchdowns, but he ain't being the guy there. So I really question if he would end up with a team like your Seahawks. I good, good Lord, Pete. I hope not. Honestly, I, I look, I love the, I love the talent. I do. I don't like the player. I don't like the drama that comes along with them. If the Seahawks were a team that had a lot of uh, pass volume, if there was a need at the position, then it would make sense. But we're not a, we're not a pass first team. We're a run first team. That's how we get the job done. Uh, all the all the uh, pass happens off of you know play action and and uh, you know it's that run first mentality. And if you're third in the pecking order in a team that doesn't throw much like the Seahawks, then you're not going to be getting a lot of targets. And then OBJ is just going to get more frustrated. And I, I'm with you. I think he says this is under the guise of winning, but you know what? If you want to be a winner, you need to stand in and stand with your teammates. And want to fight to get that win. And he's not doing that. He's for the second time in his career, he's cutting bait. He's running away from the team that that believed in him. And he's going for greener pastures. And why is he doing it? Because he's not the top dog. Because he's not getting the targets. And I I think you're you're bang on when you said that. Well, it'll be interesting to see if anyone does uh, sign him now. Uh, Do you want to throw out a couple of teams you, you might think he would end up with? You know, I think for me, it's it's Packers with a bullet because you look at that offense and, you know, what have we been talking about over these last couple of years? It's Aaron Rodgers needs another target, right? Like, who's the second target? Lazard, uh, MVS. I mean, Tunyon's gone for the year now. They don't have that second guy. So you don't need to throw the ball to Devontae Adams 18 times a game, as much as we love that from a fantasy perspective. There's room for another guy there. You've got uh, one of the great quarterbacks at the position. You've got a team that wants to win right now because Rodgers likely isn't going to be around next year anyways. There's just no other team that makes sense for me as much as the Packers do. Okay, well, I got three, okay? Patriots, Raiders, Chiefs. And I'll, I'll just break this down real quick before we move into our Week 10 preview. Patriots and Raiders, quite simply, they need a number one wide receiver. If, if OBJ wants to be the guy on a team that, that could possibly contend, uh, so I could see one of those two teams. For the Chiefs, they're not looking for a top guy, but they're still looking for that guy coming in. They, they lost Sammy Watkins last year, and they haven't replaced him. Uh, they picked up Josh Gordon. He's done nothing since he came. So I could see them maybe taking a look. I don't know who's got the cap space and who doesn't there, but I could see one of those teams taking a look as well. You could be right. And for some reason, Belichick is one of those coaches and the Patriots are one of those teams where you look back over the years at similar situations. I'm not comparing personal situation of the player, but just a big name 
you know, wide receiver that suddenly becomes available unexpectedly. You think about the Josh Gordons and you, th- you think about Randy Moss and some of the other names they've attracted Antonio Brown over the years. They just seem to go after these guys. B has got a plan and, and he, he seems to be able to bring these guys in that have the big attitudes, the big personalities and somehow makes it work. So yeah, you could be right there, but I, I just think if I'm OBJ and my goal is win now, and it's also be a star on a team, there's no other place he has that opportunity uh, greater than the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and uh, we all know you go to the Patriots, it's uh, you go by the Patriot way or you're gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And is Odell a guy that you think is going to want to go the Patriot way? You know, I, I as we've mentioned, so you mentioned some of these other guys. You know, they've they've done it before, and I think Belichick has that league wide respect. He's earned it, frankly. So, you know, when a player goes there, they know okay, it's time for me to just listen and do my job. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's move into a Week 10 preview then. Mouth-watering games on the agenda here. Uh, We've talked about these two teams already, but we've got Cleveland going into New England uh, to face the Patriots. Both teams 5-4 and in the thick of the playoff chase. Uh, What do you see happening in this one? Well, I think that what's going to happen here is, and unfortunately, COVID is becoming a storyline this week in the NFL. There's a lot of cases uh, and some pretty high profile cases. Nick Chubb uh, tested positive for COVID, or at least he's on the COVID list, along with Felton, the backup running back. And that team lives and dies with its run game. So that's going to be a a big problem. I think you got the banged up Baker Mayfield. I think this is going to get ugly. I think you're potentially going to see, um, you know, traveling in New England, an ugly game. I think that the Pats are just going to run rough shot all over the Cleveland Browns. and uh, But I think the Pats take this one and it's not going to be close. I think it's going to be like a two touchdown, 13, 14 point kind of a, a differential in points there. What do you think? Yeah, I think this game really is going to come down to who gets out to the early lead because – both of these teams are designed to play with the lead. They're not really designed to come from behind. So for me, uh, whoever gets out in front, and I, I got to say the edge here might actually go to the Patriots, even though I think the Browns are a better team uh, and they should win. If they're without Nick Chubb, I think the Patriots win for sure. But with Nick Chubb, uh, it's all going to be about who can get out to that early lead because it's going to be difficult for either team to come back Neither team has a passing attack that's super scary. Both of them have good defenses, the Browns, especially in the passing game. So if they can jump out to an early lead, that'll benefit them. But I think the Patriots, you know, Belichick is a master at keeping it close uh, in the very least. So I'm actually going to agree with you on this. I think the Patriots win, but I think it'll be a close game, uh, maybe a very defensive game, especially if Chubb's hurt. Yeah, I don't know if I gave a score there, but I got 24-13 Pats as my official prediction. So maybe not quite as much of a spread as I said, but that's, I think, low scoring. You're on to it. And um, ultimately, though, Browns aren't going to be able to move the ball too well. All right. Now, before we get to the next game, I got a trivia question for you. We've been talking a lot about the toughest division in football this year. Uh, the AFC West prior to the season was the consensus still very tough even though the Seahawks and Niners have losing records right now the AFC North was the other one uh and the AFC North uh the Bengals and the Browns are tied for last place (laughs) in that division right now but they both have winning records without looking what is the only other division in football 
that does not have a team with a losing record? I think it's the AFC West. I think every team is like five and four. You're bang on, my friend. Chargers and Raiders are both five and three. The Chiefs and Broncos both five and four. So that's a bit of a shocker, <laughs> I gotta say. Uh, and this week, the Chiefs play the Raiders. It's a huge rivalry, a historic rivalry between these two teams. Who do you see coming out on top on that one? That's going to be the Sunday night football game, by the way. Oh, and I can't wait. I cannot wait for that game because you've got, you know, Chiefs and Raiders on Sunday night football, potential battle for top spot in the AFC West, depending on how the Chargers and Broncos fare, of course. Sign me up. I think this is going to be a tight game. And, you know, I think personally the Raiders are going to find a way to get it done at home. I'm predicting a 28-24 to victory for the Raiders over those lowly Kansas City Chiefs this year. (laughs) Just not the juggernaut we expected them to be. Yeah, there's no question the Chiefs have really been struggling. And I think they've really been aided by their competition the last couple weeks to help them get back on track. Of course, three weeks ago... They, they they suffered a drubbing under the Tennessee Titans, they, losing 27-3. to Very embarrassing loss there. Then they got to face a beat-up Giants team. So kind of a, a big helping hand there to, to bounce back with a win. They barely beat the Giants. Then la- this, this week they beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. But again, anything but convincing, 13-7. to All arrows would point towards the Raiders here, but I just got a feeling, you know, the Chiefs are – even though they're not playing well, that they're starting to build back momentum with a couple of wins and uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in another close one this week over the Raiders. Uh, last big game that we were going to preview is your Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. You talk about modern-day rivalries uh, that aren't in your division. The Seahawks and the Packers have quite a history together over the past uh, 10 to 15 years there. What do you see happening in this one? Yeah, it's really debatable how this one's going to go. I mean, you got the return of Russell Wilson, but we don't know if Rodgers is going to play. You know, is he going to get back in time? The big storyline right now of the week, he's is the earliest he get back is Saturday. So does that give him enough time? Like if everything goes perfectly, does that give him enough time to get back into the into the game on Sunday? I, I think he's a guy that can play without practice, so I'm not worried about that. But, you know, we need to make sure all things go right um, as far as the testing when he comes back and all that. So so that all that to say that, you know, if he's back, obviously it's going to be a great game. Um, it could go either way. If that's the case, I think the Hawks get it done on the road still. 31 to 28 is my prediction. High scoring affair. I think Russell Wilson's going to have to cook a little bit if he plays. And then if Rodgers doesn't play, it's just going to be one of those run the ball all game. Chris Carson slash you know, Alex Collins, depending on whether he can go or not. So a lot of injury questions here, but I think either way, I, I believe Seattle gets it done on the road. Yeah, I think this is a true pick game. Most players would really suffer without a week of practice and, uh, you know, being able to just come in late. Rodgers is probably a guy that can pick it up pretty quickly. So, you know, I don't know how bad. It's tough to say how much that's actually going to hurt the Packers, assuming Rodgers is cleared to play. Uh, but with all the controversy around him this past week and, and everything that's gone on there, I just kind of wonder as well if he might feel those eyes in the crowd and even amongst his peers a little differently. I'm not saying that the team is mad at him. I'm not saying that Lambeau's going to boo him or anything like that. I'm sure he'll get a warm reception as usual. But 
sometimes when you when the spotlight has been thrust upon you or invited upon you, <laughs> gotta say, gotta admit, I think we agreed not to talk about Rogers COVID this time, but I think you know, I I just wonder how he's going to react on the field based on everything off the field that's happened this week, and it's been a lot, and the spotlight is is very firmly upon him right now, so. We'll see. I probably lean slightly towards the Seahawks myself in this one. Well, we can agree there, my friend, because, you know, I'm a Seahawks homer. The bias is always going to come through a little bit. But uh, all that aside, I do think he's going to be a little rusty coming off of uh, a lot in this time. And I think the Seahawks get it done. All right. Well, let's move into our fantasy section. We've had a few weeks off here with no fantasy talk. So it's exciting to get back into it here. And uh, this week, wanted to talk a bit about matchup proof player something that has really garnered a lot of attention obviously you always look for the guys in the draft that perform week in and week out and will provide a, a consistent solid value for your team but those those guys are so few and far in between uh so i wouldn't mind just going over some of those guys this this season at least uh or guys that you would regularly expect to be kind of matchup proof you know whether their team is winning or losing or the game's out of hand one way or the other, that they're still involved in the offense and they're still able to rack up points no matter what the situation is on the field. I know you got a top five, so let me lay it on me, lay it on our listeners here. Who are your top five fantasy matchup-proof players? Well, Pete, when you're talking about matchup-proof guys and, and you, you, know, you want to dig into the numbers and you want to find out, well, who is the, the best kind of week-to-week play? Who's going to be guaranteed to score you some fantasy points you got to go directly to the goat right i mean just the greatest to ever do it and and, and that's cordell patterson that's i mean he's just he's such, <laughs> he's such a fantastic player and but in all seriousness go look at what this guy has done this year if you're one of those fantasy teams that's lucky enough to have picked cordell patterson off the waiver wire you are winning at fantasy football this year. The guy is unbelievable. It's a shame that it's taken until his, what, age 30, age 31 season for a team to finally unlock his potential. But I'm glad we finally got it. And you can set him and forget him every week. He's a real slash. You know, they used to say that about Corderell Stewart, <laughs> the quarterback of the Steelers, because of his running ability way back when and as to go along with his passing game. But this this is the new slash wide receiver slash running back. He just produces no matter where you put him on the football field. Absolutely, it doesn't matter where you put this guy. He's just that talented, and I'm just I'm happy for him. I love to see a dude who's a journeyman who's been around. He's he's bounced around a lot of rosters, and he's just having this fantastic success. And you got to treat him like what he is, and he is a borderline first second round player right now. If you're redrafting, that's where you got to take this guy. Okay, so then the other guys I got in there, uh, you started getting into some more premium players, but I'm going to go Cooper Cup next because this guy, I mean, he's a guy that you could have had in, what, the third, fourth round of your draft. If you drafted him there, you're winning at fantasy. Once again, averaging over 11 targets per game on an explosive offense. He's got 20 fantasy points in six out of nine games. That's 20 or more. Only one game under double-digit fantasy points this year in PPR. The guy's special. Stafford's unlocking him. Yeah, he's in the middle of a career year. There's no doubt about that. And that's what you always dream of, that you get a guy for his career year. Uh, and and just very quickly, you know, in one of our leagues, Legion of Boom, the same guy 
who has Cooper Cup also has Corderell Patterson. What a joke. And it's, yeah. So I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Ephraim. Eve, buddy, you're having a, a great season so far. You're clearly the best team in our league. And uh, it's no surprise with those guys on the roster. That's, That's a sure. good point, Pete. Can you imagine having both of those guys in your lineup in a PPR league? And then the other guys, you know that this one is near and dear to my heart. There's there's our guys, you know, we talk about off the podcast. We talk about who are our guys, who are the guys that we love to cheer for. And I think, you know, who that guy is going to be for me. It's It's Jonathan Taylor. The guy is special. I think about Jonathan Taylor the same way that I think about Saquon Barkley um, and some of those other, you know, Adrian Peterson in his prime. Some of those guys that are just so talented. The talent is there. No one ever questioned it. The knock on him was always that he'd be sharing potentially a three-way timeshare with Naheem Hines and um, Marlon Mack. Well, Marlon Mack's inactive last week. Naheem Hines factored in, granted, but... Jonathan Taylor's really become a bell cow here. He's getting that kind of Zeke Pollard usage between him and Hines, but more like peak Zeke, what you saw a few years ago out of, out of Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, with fewer miles on his body. There's no limit to what this guy can do. This guy could be the top scoring fantasy asset the rest of the season. Yeah, no doubt he's been great. Hines, uh, conversely, has been a bit of a disappointment, but Taylor's a great talent, no doubt. Yeah, and then the other guys, I mean, it's just no surprises here. It's Alvin Kamara and Najee Harris. Just volume and the talent is there. Um, in the case of Najee, there's no competition for touches at all. So it's just all Najee Harris all the time. Ben's washed, in my opinion. There's He doesn't have much to offer left in that pass game. Everything goes through Najee, and he's just fantastic and we already know what Alvin Kamara is capable of. Uh one guy I might add to that le- list is the ageless wonder Tom Brady. Uh you know because no matter what whether they're winning or losing Bruce Arians is always passing. So <laughs> Brady Brady's been great pretty much every game this entire season and at his age is just unbelievable. The other guy that wasn't in your top 5 but I know you and I have talked about at length so far and and a guy that would, would be on this list, but not without some controversy, is quarterback Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oof, you got to bring it there, Pete. Oh, daggers. Through the first nine weeks anyway, or first eight weeks, was absolutely matchup proof. He had a he had an off week uh, last this past week. But really, he's been putting up like 20-plus fantasy points every week and somewhat against the grain of his on-field performance. Uh, hence the controversy as to whether something should be done to curb a matchup proof player like Hertz, who maybe isn't performing so well on the field, but for fantasy purposes is putting in great weeks every single week he's out there. Yeah, you're going to run into these situations, right, where you get a guy who is just special for fantasy purposes. He's going to score a ton of points every week, regardless of the matchup. But you look at what the team's record is, you look at the performance of the team on the field in real football world, and it just doesn't correlate. And you ask yourself, well, how does this guy have so many fantasy points if he's not what you'd even consider to be like, let's say a top 12 or 15 quarterback in the NFL? Do I think there should be a change? No, I don't. I don't think there should be a change. Jalen Hurts is scoring fantasy points. That's great. He should keep scoring as many fantasy points as he can. I just think, you know, for every, for every controversy, you could look at the other way and say, well, there's an opportunity. And if you're one of these people that heads into the draft and you're thinking about, uh, you know, a later round quarterback, probably looking at a guy who has legs, who's going to, you know, get it done on the ground like a Jalen Hurts, 
um, that isn't going to get the fanfare of some of the top five, 10 quarterbacks. He's a guy you can have late. who's going to score a ton of fantasy points. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Now, uh, Another quick trivia question here. Back to our Legion of Boom fantasy pool. Without looking, do you know where Jalen Hurts ranks amongst quarterbacks this year? Uh, okay, so I'm going to say, geez, he'd be up there. I mean, uh, if he's averaging, I'm going to say he's averaging about 23, 24 points a game. That's got to put him maybe just below the top five. I'm going to say, let's say number six. Jalen Hurts, QB2. What? In QB2? Yeah. Okay, take it all back. Take his points away. It doesn't <laughs> make sense. The system's broken. Bottom line is, first of all, I don't think the narrative that he's been so terrible is completely justified. There's been some atrocious play calling on the part of the Philadelphia Eagles for the better part of the season. You know all too well about that. You had Miles Sanders on your team, and he oh. was not getting any looks at all. They were devoting nothing to the run game whatsoever. They have a very young offense young players at every skill position. We talked about this earlier in the podcast as well. And you know what? Yeah, he's a rushing quarterback. And if that's part of your skill set, then use that. And you should be rewarded for that. Not to mention the fact that there's no other player that kind of fits this category other than Hurts. So you can't go around punishing Jalen Hurts. Just, just The Hurts rule. The Hurts rule, literally just for him. You know, when there's nobody else that really fits this category. So I think Hurts, yeah, let it go. Let let it be, you know. And and even if it's some kind of uh, glitch in the system, you know, you want to reward the managers that ultimately see that glitch and uh, nab them on their team. So I, I I say go for it. Yeah, well, that's Rich coming from the guy who has him in 66% of his leagues, isn't <laughs> 60, it? That's quite a statistic. <laughs> Two out of three leagues. But, yeah. no, I, I, I mean that in a big picture. I mean, I'm not going to – I don't know about next year, but other than the Dynasty League, I don't know where what team he's going to be on next year. I just think big picture, you know, what's best for fantasy football and whatever league. I don't think you, you can. And how, how would you even clamp down on that? How would you even do that? Like you can't take away what? What are you going to take away? His rush yards, but not take away anybody else's? You can't really do anything about it, can you? Well, what I would do personally as a Miles Sanders owner is I would take all of his rushing yards and I'd apply them retroactively <laughs> to Miles Sanders. No, yeah. but but in all seriousness, no, I'm with you. You can't you can't do anything to mitigate it. The only thing that I, I've ever seen in fantasy that you really scratch your head and you say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, is in PPR leagues where you get some of these guys, and I can't think of a good one this year, but you know these guys in the past where it seems like every ball they catch is either behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. They might have 20, 30, 40 yards at the end of the game, but somehow they scored 25, 30 fantasy points. That kind of doesn't make sense. You know, that reminds me of a few years ago when you had a certain Chris Thompson on your team every year. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. He was kind of that guy, wasn't he? He was... Taking the short passes, let you just dagger you to death with those short catches. And you know what? All those guys, you got a good memory. All those guys that those pass catching backs in PPR leagues, those were the guys that I targeted in late rounds. So I'd go after guys like Danny Woodhead or James White or uh, guys that you know are got the clear passing down back in, in an attack, right? They're so valuable for fantasy purposes, but I only like it when I'm the guy scoring the fantasy points. That's right, of course. That's that's natural. All right, man. This has been great. Uh, and you're going to be back on. I got Zach coming on for two episodes, and then you're going to be back for two more. So uh, it won't be so long this time until you're back on the pod. Thanks so much for coming on with me, man. 
Right on, buddy. Anytime. It's happy to be here. And we'll get into all the action in the NFL as well as uh, some of the more fantasy updates. We'll take a look maybe at our leagues that we're in together and see how we're both doing and and, uh, compare notes. How does that sound? That sounds great. I hope to be on the plus side of that, although you just beat me in two of our three leagues this week. Surprised you didn't mention it all episode long, but uh, I'm going to have to just cry myself to sleep here tonight. Hope I have some luck on the waiver wire and uh, I'll have a better story to tell next time I come on. Well, well, here's to uh, good fantasy weeks ahead for both of us. Thanks for being on the show and we will see you next Thursday. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.